I have invested in about uh, 12 or 13 companies so far. And because I am personally involved, I always get the feeling that it's my company, right? And quite frankly, I don't want an exit. A lot of people have asked me, have you got exit? So I have got uh, two, three exits. But I don't want an exit. It's my company. Why should I exit? I'm having such fun. I'm learning. I'm figuring out what direction it takes. Hmm. Why should I uh, change that, right? So I am very, very heavily involved. And that's, I think, the fun part of life. First of all, very happy to be here with you. Uh, even though you're only about two or three years younger than me, it's always good to be with younger people. I feel young. <laughs> See, I have, for the last approximately six, seven years, I have been spending a lot of time with startups. Right? And as an angel investor and a mentor to a lot of startups. And my colleague, Sushanto Mitra, who's the founder and CEO of Lead Angels, uh, he has been with startups for uh, probably 20 odd years. Okay. Now, one thing which we realized was a lot of founders actually have no clue about how to A, run a business, well, A, start a business, B, run the business, and C, raise funding. They have yes. no clue, right? mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So we said, okay, uh, you know, we've been mentoring these students for a long time. Uh, but when you mentor somebody, it's only one-to-one. Or can we put all this in the form of a book? So that's yeah. how it started. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we started searching. So we said, look, if it has to be a book, then obviously it has to be Indian cases. Exactly. Unfortunately, I would say 90 to 95% of books are American cases. You know, they talk about Airbnb, they talk about uh, Google, they talk Google, about, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, all the Hotmail and so on. Yeah, yeah. A guy here, the environment here is so different in India hmm. that those cases actually nobody can relate to, right? So we said, let's knock that out. Hmm. So that actually brought it down to only about 5 or 10% of the books. Hmm. Then we said, look, uh, and I'll take a parallel from your industry, the movie industry. Yeah. Um, we said, look, if you look at Indian books, and there are a few, there aren't too many, but there are a few. Mm. Uh, most of them talk about the huge success stories, you know, guys like Baiju's and uh, um, just hold on, Baiju's and um, uh, you know, Ola cabs and Oyo yeah. rooms and Grofers and Big Basket. So again, the problem is the you know the founder, the guy who's just starting up, mm. or maybe has been starting up for the last couple of years, he again cannot identify with these guys. But these guys are now, they're mammoths, right? So I'll just give you a parallel, like I said, from your industry. Hmm. If you want to learn acting, it's great to go to Bombay and meet Sharukha and learn from him. Hmm. But you also need to meet the guy who is, there is some music in the background, I think. Yeah, sorry about that. So that was my mom actually. She was in the cut her No problem. No problem. Yeah. No, no, you can record the Tatha Thaya. I mean, that is <laughs> that is probably fun as well. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you know, it's great to learn from Shahrukh Khan, but you also need to learn. In fact, you probably learn much more from the guys who started on one or two years back. Hmm. Some of them are still struggling. Some of them have started making it uh, uh, big. 
Yeah. Those are the guys you really identify with and you can learn from, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at these the cases, uh, you know, stories about such startups, actually, there is no such book. So it yeah. came down to zero, mm-hmm. right? So we said, okay, we will talk about the smaller guys that you can identify with, number yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Number two, but we will also have the big guys uh, mm-hmm. because we've taken a lot of, um, uh, you know, we've interviewed people like uh, Sanjeev Bhikchandani, who's the... Uh, founder of Nokri, or Deep Kalra, who's the founder of Make My Trip, or Yashish Daya, who's the founder of Policy Bazaar. So we've got these guys as well as a lot of Chotus. So that's number three. Yeah. I think the biggest issue is nobody talks about failures. Yeah. Right. But you probably learn far, far more from failures than you from success. Exactly. We've uh, you know, encountered so many startups in our life. We will also pick up some failures. In some cases, we change the names mm-hmm. just to protect the identity of the person. And uh, we've also written about failure. So the book actually has stories about failures and successes. So you learn from both of them. And I think the last thing is, uh, um, you know, you can, you can have books about lots and lots of cases, but ultimately what you learn from them. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we created a framework, which I will call persistent. In fact, uh, so maybe I'll talk about it if you give me uh, a chance. Yeah. So yeah, persistent yeah. is an acronym. Yeah. Mm. It's an acronym. Each letter of it stands for something. Mm. And we say, look, try and evaluate your startup from the point of view of persistent because A, this will help you uh, uh, create a better startup. No guarantee, obviously. And B, this is exactly what investors are also looking for. So that's really, you know, when we cross step two, we hmm. realize there's no such book. So it's actually fairly unique. Hmm. And I must tell you, it was real fun to write. Yeah, for sure, sir. I can imagine, like, I am talking to you right now. It must be really interesting to read the book as well, sir. <laughs> oh. Oh, the screen froze. Am I am I audible? Am I visible there, sir? Oh. Yeah, I can, I can hear you. I can hear you. Yeah. And am I moving? Can you see my screen moving? I can I hear you. I can see your beard. I can see your mustache. They are <laughs> a different color from mine, but that's okay. <laughs> Manageable. <laughs> yeah. So, so, like, how has your life changed from like being a professor at MBI and VP at NIIT and now being an angel investor, mentor for startups? So, how was this transition and the journey like for you? Uh, first of all, all three phases. So, mm-hmm. I've had three phases in life, right? Mm-hmm. First was industry, NIIT. Second was, in fact, I had four phases. Even before NIIT, I was doing my doctorate at IIT Delhi and I was also working there. So that was mm-hmm. a short three-year phase. Yeah. But if you look at NIIT, it was great fun mm-hmm. uh, because I was learning a lot. I, every two, three years, I was going into different uh, roles and therefore mm-hmm. it was like almost joining a new company with the same boss. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, MDI was again a lot of fun because MDI, you know, see the advantage of such good news there are two three major advantages number one you come in contact with extremely high caliber students Mm. and you know when you come in contact with such high caliber students the advantage is a you learn from them 
and B, mm. it is challenging because very often in class I don't have answers, yeah. right? And I have to come back and think, and often I don't have the answer even after and my students supply the answer. So mm. it's been it is phenomenal learning. The second advantage, of course, is that you're always there with the youngsters, right? And that makes you feel young, right? Uh, and of course, a place like MDI gives you a lot of freedom to do what you want. So I like to write books. This, by the way, is my fourth book. Yeah. Uh, I've written three of this. Exactly. And uh, I didn't like doing research. I didn't do research. I did some consulting, hmm. lot of writing, lot of fun. Now that I'm into this third innings, which actually started about three years back, sorry, six years back. Hmm. Uh, but today it is, it is likely to be the most fun of all. Hmm. And I must tell you, I am retiring today. Right yeah. from MDI, hmm. but the way I look at it, my career is really beginning to because I have full freedom. I have no hmm. uh, need to, you know, slog myself and uh, earn a salary. I don't have that need, hmm. and I have freedom. I can do what I want. Right. So I spend a lot of time with Lead Angels Network, right? Yeah. Because uh, that's more or less my baby, along with Sushantos. And B, I mentor a whole number of uh, young startups. And as before, I keep learning from them and I stay young. And, you know, before COVID times, it used to be great fun because typically anybody who wanted advice from me, and fortunately, there are some people in the world who actually want advice from me. <laughs> uh, so I would call them to a place like, you know, uh, CCD or Barista or whatever. I tell yeah. them, boss, jitna khana khao. Uh -huh. I will advise you, payment uh -huh. I will make, right? It used to be such great fun. Unfortunately, during COVID times, that is not, but it will start again. Uh -huh. So I think all three phases have been great fun and a lot of learning in all three phases. Uh -huh. can, you, can you elaborate a little more? Ki, this is, after being an investor, what has changed? Like exactly, like your pattern, the way of thinking, your headspace, how has it evolved? Okay. So I think two, three things have happened. <laughs> so I'll tell you, now, firstly, I'm a slightly, I'm not a very conventional angel investor, right? mm. because a typical angel investor is interested in putting in money. And at the end of four years or five years, taking an exit at a higher valuation, right? Mm. That's a very typical angel investor because he's a financial investor. Exactly. It's like investing in the stock market. Mm. My purpose is a little different. My purpose is, I like to be involved. So, you know, if I'm, uh, if I invest in, let's say, Reliance Industries, there is no way in hell I can sit across the table with Mukesh Ambani and exactly. <laughs> strategize with him as to what direction Geo should take. No way in hell, right? Or yeah. even a smaller company. But here, I sit with founders uh -huh. and, you know, jointly strategize, we figure out what's going wrong, what change in direction to take and so on. And it is great fun and huge learning. Huge mm -hmm. learning. So, I have invested in about uh, 12 or 13 companies so far. Mm. And because I am personally involved, I always get the feeling that it's my company. right? Mm. And quite frankly, I don't want an exit. A lot of people have asked me, have you got exit? So, I have got uh, two, three exits. But I don't want an exit. It's my company. Why should I exit? I'm having such fun. I'm learning. I'm figuring out what direction it takes. Mm. Why should I uh, change that? Right? So, exactly. I am exactly. very, very heavily involved and that's, I think, the fun part of life. Hmm. Now, within angel investing, uh, I must tell you what has happened 
and that's been a learning experience for me. Uh, so when I started, which was around six odd years ago, um, at that time, my investments were predominantly out of excitement. idea, terrific idea, great guy, dalo paisa, all right? My wife was always very unhappy with this, but yeah. I used to put money. Put <laughs> I'm, I'm a very small intelligent, right? I typically put in five lakhs, not more. Oh, okay. That's all. <laughs> so I'm definitely not the Ratan Tata Vare. I don't even mm -hmm. look like him, as you can see. <laughs> so uh, I put in small amounts, but I lost money in several cases. Right? And I've realized over the years that there is a lot of learning to be done here. So initially, it was all based on excitement. Now, it is based on hardcore evaluation of the company. Hardcore evaluation, right? And in fact, today I use the persistent model, which I uh, keep talking about in my book. Right? So the investments which I made in the last uh, two, three years, uh, as compared to the investments I made in the first uh, three, four years, these last two, three years, they've been far, far better investments. And they're already, I mean, if I take an exit today, I don't have a chance, but if I do, I'll already make a lot of money. So I think it's been a learning experience for me as an investor. And I think that's true of most investors. It's a learning experience. You, exactly. you learn over time. But So what you know, all factors do you consider before investing in a company? Like what do you do? Yeah. So maybe should I take you through the persistent framework? Yeah, sure. So that's typically what we look at. Please. Okay. So let me see if I can show you this. Yeah, it's visible. I think you can see it. Let me remove mm -hmm. my, my cursor. Okay. So basically what we tell people is the investor and the founder ultimately want the same thing, right? They want the company to do well. Yes. All right. And they want the company to grow successfully at some stage, make a profit. Hmm. And you know, therefore, ultimately the investor will uh, take an exit at hopefully a higher valuation. Hmm. So what does the company need to do to ensure that A, it succeeds and B, it is attractive to the investor? Right? Yes. That's the persistent model, which we have in the book. Hmm. So P, each of them stands for something. Right? P stands for problem. Are you hmm. solving a problem for your customer? Right. Hmm. You have to identify who your, who your customer is and are you solving a problem for him? Because if you're not, there's no way in hell you're going to make money. Exactly. Right? Second is E, which is earnings model. Right? Hmm. Very important because somewhere you have to make money. Even if you're solving a problem for your customer, if he's not willing to pay you, he says, boss, mere ko free mein chahiye. you won't make money. Yeah. Right? So that's E, the earnings model. R stands for risk. And obviously every business has risks. And one of the biggest risks that uh, you normally have is the risk of competition, which is why you need to have what I call an entry barrier, which is something you do within your business to prevent your competitor from getting in and potentially eating into your market share. Yeah. So entry barrier is the second E, which is, uh, I can't see it. Yeah, right. the second E, that's entry barrier. Then S is size of the market. Because yeah. if the size of the market is small, you can't mm. grow. Mm. And therefore, mm. there's no point in creating a startup. Yeah. I is innovation. Mm. And if you have innovative solutions, for example, if you have a patent, then you potentially have a very good entry barrier. Mm. Right. Like IP intellectual property is what you're saying? Yeah. Correct, correct. Hmm. IP, patent, whatever. Right. Uh, the second S stands for scalability. Because yes. you may have a huge market size, hmm. but if you don't scale rapidly, 
your uh, competitor who potentially has more money can scale faster than you and ultimately he kills you. right so scalability is important the next thing is t which is traction traction is extremely important because at the end of the day are you actually making are you getting customers are you making money are the customers increasing month on month and so on right uh, t e has spoken about n is if uh, you are in a crowded market right? you know lots of players lots of competitors don't get in try and identify a large enough niche within this market which is not crowded yeah. right and the final t uh, in the word persistent is uh, stands for team and team basically is what it's founder downwards because yeah. uh, we believe very strongly even if you have an average business model and there are mm-hmm. problems a good founder will make sure that things turn out well maybe he'll pivot the business model a couple of times but if you have a great business model but an average founder doesn't make sense right so this is what um uh, people look for uh, mm-hmm. well both the founder needs to look for as well as the investor and this is what we follow now but like i told you it's taken about 6 7 years of learning so what exactly is an average founder then you said average founder what is that exactly so i'll give you an example <clears throat> i'll give you an example uh, and i will uh, i'll pick up one of the stories from here right yeah. <clears throat> in fact this is a slightly modified story so we had uh, a very interesting um, group of people tech people very strongly tech people very bright guys yeah uh, i think there were three founders two or three founders and they came and they told us look we have created we have designed something called a waterless urinal right and this mm. was about 4 5 years back yeah now this they made a pitch to us to us uh, investors they presented their startup uh, just about i think two months after prime minister modi announced swachh bharat abhiyan uh, from the red fort Hmm. right now suddenly all the investors got so excited hmm. why because you know prime minister has said we want we need to build 2 crore toilets but where is the water right now suddenly these guys have a solution where you don't need water so we got hmm. tremendously excited and you know we spent some time studying their design we said bahut badhiya great wonderful let's go ahead so we said how will you sell this or oh, they said we'll appoint distributors which made sense because ultimately this will have to be sold through typically hardware shops yeah, or sanitary yeah. ware shops mm-hmm. so they need distributors we yeah. said great so we gave them about i think 2 months we said give us 2 months to evaluate the business in some detail at the end of 2 months i think we are on so we spent some time studying their business very happy called them back at the end of 2 months and you know these guys were looking so excited So we said, "Why are you so excited?" Hmm. Oh, sir, you know now we are working on a female version of the same thing. What do you mean exactly, female version? All of us investors, a female version. Earlier it was a urinal, so only for males. Okay, okay. Now they are okay, working okay. on a female version of a waterless toilet, hmm. right? So we said, "Hang on, but what happened to the earlier one? That huge opportunity you had, you had to appoint distributors. Ha, sir, करेंगे. Don't worry, sir. We will do it, sir." at a stroke our interest in that company was over at a stroke and very simple reason why because we realized these guys were very good tech guys very good designers but they had no business sense absolutely no business sense so you know when i talk about average uh, uh, 
found an example where everything was in good shape except the team the team was led by three founders who had no business sense so we said boss if you can get one more person as co-founder and that person has business sense he can actually market this product then we are interested otherwise we will not go ahead so that's an example right yeah. and unfortunately you have a lot of such situations where um, you know founders do not have it in them to there are some founders who are go getters there are some founders who sit back and say nahi theek hai kya karenge we don't want such guys we want guys who are very very passionate and who say boss i'm going to make it work we want people like that yeah yeah, yeah. passionate and persistent along absolutely absolutely in fact you're right the one of the things in the persistent framework is the english meaning of the word persistent so you got to be persistent because you will have ups and downs you will have a lot of downs you have to be persistent you have to keep on and on at it to make sure you actually survive i was actually listening to a part, podcast couple of days back uh, by i don't remember his name the one who is the founder of parachute oil so i was actually listening to him okay parachute you, oil is uh, merico Yeah, yeah, Mariko. So the owner of Mariko. that. So he was doing a podcast somewhere. So he said, "Key passion is important, but more important is yes. the persistency." You know, because every, both are required. Yeah, both because everyone is going to fail eventually somewhere down the line. So you got to be persistent. You know, yeah, you got to get. Ah, uh, Mariwala, Harsh Mariwala. Hanji, 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 Hanji. Exactly. Harsh, Harsh Mariwala. Yeah. Exactly. The chairman of Mariko, correct? Founder, I think, and chairman. So, uh, so I want to ask you one thing. Like, if say there's a business, uh, let's take an example of my dad's business only. So, it's he's in IT, uh, and he has been doing this business for twenty two years now, and uh, turnover should be around three point five four CR. Is yeah, it's is yeah, that's the turnover. So, someone like him, if he wants to say get an investment, like. Uh, how should he go about getting the investors since he has the proof of business he has been doing it for 20 years now so the persistence frame is also there so if he wants to raise funds for something new so should he just like go into like people's office should he throw in some linkedin email or cold calling what should be his process for it what is what is the nature of uh, his business he d- develops software uh no so wholesale and he has his own uh, ram uh, brand as well uh by the name of sensible and he has lately started this uh, laptop charger and adapters by his name so yeah he wants to scale it up so that's what yeah so how should he okay. go about <clears throat> so so basically he manufactures and markets under his own brand yes uh, laptop chargers and adapters right exactly yeah Is that correct? Okay. And all and all the other things as well. He does AMC for computers, maintenance, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. That okay. goes. Okay. That that's there. But then there's this. So, okay, great. So I will answer this question in two parts. Hmm. Part one is if somebody wants funding, what do they do? Right. And part two, I'll come to your father's business because that's a slightly different case. Hmm. It's not very easy to get funding for his business. I must tell you. Hmm. Um, so first of all, uh, if you look at <clears throat> what you need to do see we have we have at, you know when you want to raise money at the first instance the first time you're raising external money typically you will go to angel investors right? mm-hmm. and angel investors you can normally raise about anywhere between 50 lakhs and about 3 odd crores or mm-hmm. 
most people prefer to say half a million dollars because it sounds so much more glamorous <laughs> cooler right? yeah But it sounds it's much cooler <laughs> much more cool i mean you can brag about look i i raise half a mil <laughs> i mean you don't even have to mention the currency but you mention you say 3 crores jaya mm. i i don't care <laughs> that's a problem so anyway so you obviously there are today about 20000 plus angel investors in the country right obviously you can't approach them individually right so what we have is we have about 20 to 25 odd angel networks right and lead angels which i am a part of uh, is one of them so the angel network typically uh, is a is a group uh, it's an organization which has angel investors as members right so we have at lead angels about 200 members and most such angel networks will have 2 300 100 such members right so we have angel investors as members and we have uh, startups that approach the network for funding right so the right way to do it is the startup approaches one or more networks normally you'll approach either one or about two or three it doesn't make sense to approach 10 of them right yeah so you approach the network and then the network will evaluate your startup if it seems to be worth funding then it will ask you to make a presentation to all its members mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. based on that based on that then you know the business analysis happens the due diligence happens and finally the funding happens so essentially to raise money you need to move towards uh, you need to go and contact one or more angel networks right? yeah. so that's essentially how it works mm-hmm. now just to talk about your father's business since you mentioned that Hmm. uh there are two issues with your father's business hmm. in fact i will split the business into two parts one is a product business yeah right where he is manufacturing and marketing yeah now that is not manpower intensive right because i mean he can manufacture in a factory he doesn't need i mean in case uh, he needs to uh, uh, double the output hmm. he doesn't need to double the number of people in the company right so it's not exactly. a, it is not a manpower intensive business and therefore it is scalable mm. right mm. on the other hand if you look at the other parts of the business which is am maintenance and so on that is very highly manpower intensive right mm. that part is not scalable because when you want to scale up what happens you need to add so much more manpower when you mm. need to add so much more manpower you need to add so much more infrastructure buildings office space etc etc right yeah, acs yeah. and so on yeah so investors normally look for highly scalable startups mm-hmm. and any investor whether it's an angel or a vc or it doesn't matter mm-hmm. so typically investors would look at pure uh, startups which are highly scalable and like i said the first part of the business is highly scalable it's easier to get funding for that than yeah. for the rest of the business with the same process go to the Second network issue. and then just start talking to them show them that same process process mm-hmm. is exactly the same yeah, correct yeah. the second issue is that you know your father his business is not a sexy business it is yeah. not a glamorous business mm-hmm. as of today so mm-hmm. you know what is glamorous today agri tech is glamorous exactly ed tech is glamorous right mm-hmm. blockchain is glamorous mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. machine learning is glamorous yeah manufacturing uh, um, you know your uh, laptop charges is not glamorous exactly and therefore you know you don't get your investor excited mm-hmm. because investors see boss electric vehicle is glamorous mm. boss 10 saal baad i'll be a millionaire <laughs> so yeah. these guys because they are taking a such a risk they want to invest in industries which are 
you know, much talked about glamorous, mm. the future, etc. That's yeah. one more reason. I would mm. say in your father's case, the best option probably is to take debt funding from a bank. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, so how did you uh, reach to a decision of being an investor? Uh, like for you personally, was it like passion for working with startups or was it money that you think like, yeah, it's better than putting money in real estate? No, 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 no. I mean, see, quite honestly, my simple advice to everybody is if you want to become an angel investor, mm. not more than three to five percent of your total corpus should be in startups because mm. it's a very risky business. Yeah. Right? I would call that, in fact, Deep Kalra of Make My Trip, the founder of Make My Trip, he uses a very nice term. He says, This is play money. Mm. So, this is the money. So, I must tell you quietly, yeah. this is the money that my wife has told me I can play with. The rest of it, I have to invest in solid things like you know, fixed deposits or whatever, the house I live in or, you know, Reliance Industries ka share or HDFC bank share or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So definitely not. It is not something where you can say, okay, 50% of my money goes into startups. You'd be a fool if you do that. So don't. Exactly. The way I started, the way I started was very simple. See, I was a profit MDI and a lot of students used to come to me for guidance hmm. and a lot of students and a lot of alumni from hmm. MDI. Hmm. And they said, sir, this is our startup. So I used to get involved. I used to keep guiding them. At the end, they would say, sir, paisa bhi dal do. we also need to raise money. Mm. Now, you know, for students, my students, I found it difficult to say no. Mm. <laughs> so I used to put money into. Uh, yeah, startups. because you would have to see them again again every day. And you're like, ah, I, I, I can't say no. I can't say no. If I say no, who will, who's going to fund them? Right? Yeah, so yeah. then I used to introduce them to lead angel. And through lead angel, we would get money. That is how it started. And it continues. It continues, but I'm very clear. I will not exceed 5% of my corpus. It's too risky. Mm. It's great fun. You know, of the 10 startups that you invest in, one will do brilliantly. Mm. Right? But you don't know which one that is. You don't know. It may be none of these 10. So mm. it's risky. Mm. Seven of them may die. In fact, mm. of the startups I invested in, I think about four so far have died. They just mm. died. Out of right? 10? They just collapsed. Out of uh, 12. Out of 12. Four have collapsed. Four, five are doing okay. And about three are doing very well. Very well. Mm -hmm. And let's see how they carry on. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started. And today it's great fun. Like I told you, it's my third career. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what do you think is the role of startups sir, like in, in a financial ecosystem or like ecosystem in general? Like what's the role of a startup? Is it to... Uh, get money and give it back to society that money or like what exactly is the role of a startup so I think or should be role, what should be an ideal role of a startup yeah see the biggest role I think the biggest role is that you know these are youngsters brimming with ideas a hmm. uh, lot of energy lot of passion in most cases these are the guys who can show us new directions all right, they can take the economy in new directions, right? So if you go back 25 years in time, when Sanjeev Bhikchandani started Nokri, mm. that was a completely new direction. There was no concept of uh, getting, uh, you know, jobs on the net. Mm. He started, and today that's what everybody is doing. All employment is online, right? 
or you look at Sachin and Billy Valdez. Back in '95. Yeah, somewhere in the '90s, before oh. 2000. Yes. Okay. It's a very old company, hmm. by startup standards, right? Or you look at Byju's, which started what, what three, four years back, five yeah. years back maybe, hmm. uh, or uh, Oyo Rooms, right? The fact that you can have a branded uh, middle-class hotel chain. the concept didn't exist right yeah. so the problem is you know our current uh, let's say the old economy stalwarts so the mahindras the tatas the bidlas the the ruiyas the uh, the bajajes they are typically into they are so large that they are not so nimble hmm. they are not nimble right these youngsters identify one bright idea and they just run with it and a lot of what you see today is basically because youngsters created something completely new and now that is being copied and now that's the future right so i think uh, startups are really it's an absolute blessing for india and not just india any any country for that matter to boom ahead because there are these guys who will pick up bright new ideas quickly run with them which a birla or a tata or a bajaj or an well amani probably can Yeah, Mukesh Ambani is still a startup founder at heart, right? Mm. <laughs> But I don't think anybody else can. So I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And then, of course, employment opportunities huge, because every startup initially will employ at least what three, four people, and ultimately some of them have what fifteen thousand, ten thousand guys, five thousand guys. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so basically, the- it is chalking out tomorrow's directions. Mm. Yeah. So there was the stand-up comedians who actually said, "Why I don't want to do business is because I can do anything. Mukesh Ambani is not going to get ahead. So life will be like that. Because when you come from Mukesh, so what do you do in life? You come from Mukesh. No, that is that is God who is ahead. Anil Ambani is ahead. Mukesh is ahead. No, Mukesh in general, the name he is saying because he is Mukesh. He is a fan of the movie. उटिंग so i think uh, as far as the founder is concerned like i told you mm-hmm. uh, persistence passion attention to detail is very important the guy who doesn't really have the figures in his from his business often oh sir i don't know i will tell you it's a it's a warning flag because if you're running a business and that to a tiny little business like a startup you have to have the figures you know here you yeah. can't say i'll get back you know i'll check with my cashier my accountant whatever i think one other very important thing that we look for is uh, we do not want we are very very paranoid about founders who try to fool us mm-hmm. and that happens sometimes right so oh, he's fudged data like a registered acha he's fudged oh. data right mm-hmm. or he's told us something which actually is not true mm-hmm. there was one very good startup which we uh, almost invested in mm-hmm. then i don't know how we discovered that they had taken a loan of some 3 crores we said why didn't you tell us oh no sir i thought it was unimportant at a stroke decision taken we will not go ahead right so cannot uh, you cannot fool us 
you shouldn't try and fool us. Mm. You know, we don't like people who are smart alecks. We like people who are grounded, mm. who realize that there are problems, who realize that they have weaknesses and accept them. Because mm. we also realize they're human beings. Yeah. So I think that is that is one. So I'll tell you one more thing and um, I'll give you a story. And uh, that will tell you what founders today look for because COVID actually has uh, in a very bizarre sense hmm. simplified the lives of investors and i'll explain how yeah. i'll give you a very simple story this is a story of a interesting uh, startup called uh iril farms all right iril yeah. farms they were into natural farming you know there is this buzz today about organic food organic fa farms and so on right? mm. so they were not farming but they realized that there were only certain pockets in the country, very few pockets where farmers were doing natural farming, which is without pesticides and chemical fertilizers. Right? And there is a big market for that. Yeah. So what they did was they identified one such pocket in Himachal, uh, just between Shimla and Solan, which is my hometown area, by the way. Yeah. So they identified that area and uh, they said, look, we will pick up, we have a collection center, we'll pick up uh, natural produce from there, bring it to uh, Gurgaon, actually Manisar, but let's assume Gurgaon, clean it, sort it out, package it, brand it under the brand Iril, and then give it to retailers. And people are willing to pay 30-40% extra. Wonderful, great business model. Then what happened? COVID hit them, right? Their supply chain came from where? Himachal. In the first two months, the entire supply chain, entire transport from Himachal to Gurgaon stopped. Yeah. They couldn't get natural stuff, right? So they mm. would have died. The yeah. business would have just died, right? Mm. But they said, look, we have to survive. So what they said was, right now, because of the lockdown and because of you know transport being messed up completely, mm. even the normal vegetables, you know, the non so they were in the area of natural, organic, right? But even the normal ones, which are grown using pesticides and chemical fertilizers, even that is not very easily available in retail shops. So what we will do is we will go to local farmers around Gurgaon. Mm. We'll tell them, boss, mandis are closed. You're not able to reach the mandi. How will you sell? You mm. sell it to us. We will supply it to retail outlets. Mm. So they did that, which means for those two months, they were not supplying natural products at all. Only conventional products. But in that period, because they were one of the few guys doing it, their business boomed. But right? isn't that ethically wrong? Like... No, it's not. No, no, no. So hold on, hold on. So they were not doing it under the Iril brand. Hmm. Hmm. They were very clear. This is normal stuff. We don't want to contaminate the Iril brand. You're hmm. absolutely right. You can't hmm. fool the customer, right? Hmm. But basically, they survived. They grew. And now that things are back to normal, they have... They've stopped that and now they're back to their natural stuff. Mm. But because for those two months, they were supplying to retailers, yeah. right? The retailers had a very good equation with them. Look, these guys are reliable suppliers. Mm. So they will continue with them. So what we took out of this was <clears throat> that, you know, these guys, these founders are fighters. Mm. So when COVID hit or when any crisis of this kind hits, yeah. demonetization, for example, mm. when COVID hit, there are some founders who just sat back and said, Are boss, Margia, Kuchni Karsaka, Sakaro, 
uh, I'll go into hibernation for six months. These guys were fighters. They said, "No, we will continue. We'll fight." And today they are much stronger than they were earlier. So why why I said it becomes easier for the uh, investor is post COVID we are able to figure out who the fighters are and who are the guys who sat back and just accepted defeat. And we only want to invest in the fighters. So in a bizarre way, in a unfortunate way, COVID has separated the men from the boys. <laughs> That's a very nice way of putting it. And incidentally, that is true of any crisis. Tomorrow there is a new crisis of whatever kind. Again, mm-hmm. it will separate the men from the boys. Of course, of course. So, like, what's the like? What do you think personally? Like, if an entrepreneur wants to grow from being a boy to a man, what should he go to? Like, fail in like couple of startups or like, what should be the journey of this transformation from being a like a not so cool entrepreneur to being like a mature entrepreneur? Sorry, can you say that again? I couldn't hear parts of it. Yeah, so I'm saying like, what is going to be like a regular journey for a person? Like uh, you said, no, that we are able to now differentiate a boy from a man. So like, how can a boy become a man? Like, you know, should he fail in like couple of startups initially, or like should get a job initially? <clears throat> so what, 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 what are? So first of all, uh, you know that boy and man hmm. is a slightly it's an analogy which may not be. I don't think we can stretch it so much because I was basically dis- distinguishing experience or boys. non-experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not saying experience. I'm saying the ability to fight it out, to last it out, hmm. to say I'm going to win, right? So I'm saying there are a very large number of people who are boys, and frankly, they should remain boys. Okay. So, guys, you know. Creating a startup, running a business of your own, you should ask your father, is a 24 by 7 job. Right? Yes. I mean, you have a crisis, you get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, you get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, you have to answer it. Hmm. You cannot say, no, this is the time I'm going to sleep. Hmm. So, And there will be all kinds of issues. You know, if you're in fintech, the RBI will suddenly change rules. All right? You look at Ola cabs, suddenly... Uh, the government has brought in rules and regulations for uh, such taxi aggregators, which earlier did not exist. So, you know, you always have some kind of issues or the other, and therefore it's a 24 by 7 battle. I think each person has to decide for himself whether he's the right person for that kind of battle or not. Everybody doesn't have to be a gung-ho entrepreneur. I mean, there are so many jobs out there. I mean, yeah. there are jobs with great companies, Hindustan Lever, Infosys, TCS, you know, ICICI Bank, HDFC Bank. So lots and lots of people are basically meant to be guys who take employment and therefore they should be in jobs. Be happy in your job. Hmm. But if you have this desire, this, you know, inner fire in your belly, you look, hmm. I have got to do something on my own. That is when you should branch out. Yeah. But I would say don't branch out too early. Some mm. some guys, by the way, branch out within college itself. Mm. And in fact, I've seen cases where people have not even finished their final year of IIT or Bits Pilani because they are so confident about their business. Right? So if you have that fire in the belly and if you have studied the problem well enough and you understand the industry well enough, by all means, you don't need experience. Mm. If you don't, then it's a good idea to get a couple of years experience, learn at somebody else's expense. Mm, right? Do a exactly. job. 
yeah. and then uh, look for a startup but one very important thing i would always suggest hmm. it's extremely important to have a co-founder yeah two or three is always a good idea for multiple reasons one of course is the risk hmm. and two is you know they bring different strengths to the table exactly. so one guy may be a solid tech guy the other guy may be a solid marketing sales guy hmm. right hmm. Uh, it's very difficult to have one founder who has everything hmm. and you have very rare people like that mukesh ambani is one of them yes. but I mean, not everybody can be like Mukesh Bhai, isn't mm-hmm. it? So it's a good idea to have. So that's what I'm saying. Um, if you are clear, you want to show the world, by all means, do it early. Not a problem. But if you're not clear, don't get into startups. <clears throat> it's a tough area. It's tough. It's very rewarding, but it's also tough. So like roadblocks to look out for when you're just starting out as, in, as a startup? Uh, I think the <coughs> I think the biggest mistake people make, if you ask me, mm. is to underestimate competition mm. and to underestimate uh, who your competitor can be, mm. because sometimes the existing guy is not your competitor. It is mm. somebody from a different field who says, "Oh God, this is a great extension to my business. I'll get in." Right? I'll mm. give you a very simple example. Um, I invested in a company, a very interesting company called Quaco, which is similar to Make My Trip, except that they focus on uh, boutique, small size resorts. Right. So you know, Make My Trip will get you bookings in any hotel, anywhere. Right. But these guys only focused on small size resorts, boutique resorts, very special kind of resorts. You know, for example, uh, fishing holiday. On a in a special mm-hmm. resort in Kerala, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that kind of thing. <clears throat> now, uh, they did this, and uh, they told the owners of these resorts, "Said, look, boss, on make my trip. Firstly, you're not even being listed, but even if you are, you are so low down that you'll never get discovered. We focus on your kind, therefore, we will send emails to our clients, and therefore, you will get good occupancy." and the hotel owners were very happy the resort owners they said okay wonderful we will give you a bigger discount than make my trip uh, than we give to make my trip and these guys were very happy right yeah. the problem is discounts can never be an entry barrier right mm. so when make my trip realized this mm. they said hang on this seems to be an interesting option and we can afford to make a loss which quaco cannot mm. so no problem we will give a heftier discount and you know anybody who goes for a holiday will obviously compare prices across different right. aggregator sites and they found make initially these guys were cheaper but ultimately they found they could not compete with the bigger guys like make my trip and yatra and that's brutal no that's absolutely and yeah. that happens so you know uh, i think being naive about the fact that uh, make my trip would not enter my business i think that was the mistake but i must also say by the way these were my students both of them okay. and i must say they are very bright guys very bright guys they have learned a hell of a lot from this and i think whenever they plan to start their next startup i am very clear it was not their mistake it was something that i think all of us were learning yes. i am very clear i will invest in their venture once again and i hope they are listening to this mm-hmm. so how long was the journey for this quaco how long did this quaco i think they survived around 3 uh, and 1/2 years hmm. they also realized they were smart 
they realized that they couldn't drag it on any further and therefore they decided to quit some people keep dragging it on till the money in the bank is zero that's wrong it doesn't make sense and they return some money to us as investors <clears throat> Uh, so a little dramatic, can we go? <laughs> Since I like to put some drama. <laughs> so uh, one thing, like I want to ask you, like, is there anything that you think that you had known back in your school or back in college uh, that you know right now? But if you had known it back then, things would have been much easier or would have been much smoother. Is there anything of that sort? Uh, are you referring to my journey as an angel investor? Uh, as in anything in life, you just say, uh, I'll give you an example. Like there's this okay. friend of mine. Uh, so he once told me he, uh, he, he's a, he's homosexual. So till the age of 24, he did not know he was dating girls till 24. Then later he realized, so he thought he dude, if I had known this back at school, things would have been so much smoother and, you know cooler for me. So yeah, something of that sort that you think yeah, this special thing, if I had known this back in school or this experience I had back then, then things would have been much so much so much smoother for me. I well, I don't have that problem, fortunately. <laughs> it's not a problem. Sir. <laughs> well, I don't have that situation. Yeah. I don't yeah, have yeah. that situation. Or maybe see, but, like for my, my example, like uh I used to think like you know back in school that I would be a rapper. Like rap music and hip hop music, and later later I evolved to be a music producer. So if I had known that, you know, I would have been producing music since school, or if I had like gained knowledge of classical music and things would have been so much easier, and I would have straight away moved to Bombay. So something, something like that. I, well, I I don't think I have anything so dramatic, mm. but yes, you know, one of the um, um, so. My parents have mm. always been very, very uh, academically inclined, right? Mm. And they have been what I would what I would call non-worldly wise, right? Mm. And therefore, not money-minded at all. So, non-worldly wise is the positive way to look at it. Um, uh, not money-wise is uh, probably a negative way. So that's the way I was brought up as a child. And, uh, you know, as an investor, and I, I keep going back, I have been investing in the stock market for what, 40 years now. Mm -hmm. right? And of course, angel investing now, but I have never been particularly good at it I because uh, I do a lot of it based on excitement. Mm -hmm. And okay, okay, I've lost money, too bad. I've lost hefty amounts of money, too bad, mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. So if I had known that, if I had been able to correct it early on, yes, I would probably have made money, which I have not been able to. Mm. But quite honestly, I have no regrets because of course. I, I, I don't think money is so important. But yes, I would probably have made much more money. And you may have been seeing me uh, talk to you not out of my house here, but maybe out of a house in uh, golf links mm. had I made more money. But that's unimportant. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think the important thing in life, uh, Arpit, is to enjoy life, to have fun, and to have no regrets. At all stages and in life. I don't think I have any... Yeah, there is one regret I have, I must tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I was, I was a student at IIT Delhi, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the one institute which we all looked up to globally mm -hmm. was MIT, Massachusetts mm -hmm. Institute yeah. of Technology, yeah. right? 
so i always wanted to go there to study hmm. uh for whatever reason i couldn't so that's the only regret i have look i could have gone there i haven't been there but other than that absolutely no regrets in life i think that is fine hmm. Oh, so and anyway, like I told you, my career is just beginning. Hmm. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, how did like COVID affect your routine? Let's say when Modi ji announced that from twenty second of March everything is going to be shut. What was your frame of mind back then? Yeah, we have to stay at home. So, I would say, Arpit, um, I think we guys, you know, we guys. uh have been among the fortunate ones because we were not impacted financially yeah right unfortunately you see so many of our people in the country hmm. who have been impacted financially because they have lost their jobs of course villagers going back to the village and so on so fortunately that has not been an issue financial has not been an issue yes we have been forced to uh, stay at home but i don't think that's a major issue yeah uh in fact i would say the amount of time we've had has suddenly gone up significantly because we don't spend time driving in delhi traffic for 2 uh, hours every day right so i i used to go to gurgaon from delhi and it used to take me about 2 hours every day one hour going one hour coming yeah and suddenly that's gone okay that's number one that's one second i think what has also happened is time spent with the family has gone up definitely mm-hmm. so in fact very interestingly my daughter uh, lives in, with her husband and uh, i have a granddaughter a baby uh, so they live in bombay they happen to come here but because of all the restriction and so on and so forth they have been here for about 2 months and i hope they'll be here for a little more time mm-hmm. so i have never been able to spend so much time with these two kids after she got married and of course with my granddaughter so that's a huge plus point huge plus point otherwise i think the fact that you are restricted to the home we do exercises at home that's okay i walk inside the house and so on we have a stationary bike we are able to do that so i don't think it's an issue yes you can't meet friends you can't go out uh, we didn't go out too much anyway i don't think it's too much of an issue i think the guys who were really impacted are the guys who went to either hospital or the guys who were financially impacted Yeah, we'll we'll watch watch back been home, no? yeah, we've been fortunate. Yeah, we've been fortunate. I think. One more, uh, uh, like a little intense. You can choose to answer or not to answer. Uh, like any rock bottom experience in your life, and what did you learn from that? Share something. Yes, yes. So uh, after I passed out of IIT, hmm. IIT Delhi, <clears throat> I had got a scholarship. a full scholarship to study for my masters in uh, the us which was actually case western reserve university so the problem was i had some some problem with my sinus area sinus throat uh, this area and just before i went uh, to the us that had to be operated upon so when i left i was not completely okay but there was no choice you know i couldn't delay my uh, departure once i was there uh, the problem was this thing started hurting okay and it hurt quite a bit and it became much worse during the winters because it was uh, snowing over there very very cold yeah, 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 yeah. plus unfortunately i had no insurance mm. because well i had insurance but this was something which was 
which I had before the insurance was taken, you know, pre-existing illness. So I had no insurance and I had no money. I had yeah. no money apart from whatever little I got. That was a very tough time, very, very tough time. So finally, I had to uh, get one more surgery done there. And it was a very decent doctor, very, very decent doctor, Indian. Mm -hmm. uh, um, he says, look, I will not charge you. Don't worry. But you have to have the surgery. So I went through the surgery. And finally, the local uh, welfare, the county welfare board paid for my hospital expenses. And I saved up enough money to come back home within one year. I couldn't finish my master because I was not well. So that was, I think, probably the toughest time uh, I had faced. But, you know, like I said, like I said in one of my earlier statements, actually, that was probably the time I became a man from a boy. A tough time for those uh, nine months. And I had to fight it out. I couldn't give up. Yeah. I didn't have money to come home initially. right? Mm. Uh, and I had no sources to get that money from. <clears throat> so I think going through some such tough times in life actually strengthens you. Yeah. So that's probably the toughest time I faced. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that like yeah, that helps you these rock bottom experiences and helps you. And by the way, I was I had a teaching assistantship, and I couldn't speak because it was hurting. Yeah. So it was very tough. To, I I had to teach to earn money. <laughs> but <laughs> to support myself, I couldn't yeah. speak. So it was a very tough time. But fortunately, that's passed. Yeah. And God bless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it. That's what I wanted to ask, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, is there anything that you would like to ask me? Or would you like to know something? No, I think, I think that, that is fine, Alfred. It was great talking to you. Same. Yeah, and uh, have lots of fun. Yeah. And hopefully, very soon, we'll get a vaccine and we'll beat the hell out of this virus. Yeah, yeah. This COVID, this flu, it's very irritating. A flu can do this, you know. Yeah. All, yeah. You know, the biggest problem here, Arpit, is it is like flu, you're right. So mm. the flu itself is okay. The problem is that flu hits your immune system. And therefore, other problems come up. That is the dangerous part. You know, the pneumonia in the lungs. That is the dangerous part. Hopefully, we'll be able to beat the hell out of it. I am, okay, I, I can guarantee we'll beat the hell out of it. So don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Since you're two, three years elder to me, so you, you are. Yes. <laughs> Good, you remember. <laughs> By the way, where do you live? I'm in Calcutta. Oh, very close. I'm in GK2. Oh, you're nearby. Uh, <laughs> I actually went there yesterday. <laughs> but we can't, we can't meet because uh, it's COVID. And yeah. by the way, my building right now is a containment zone till okay. tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow, we, we all tested positive. So tomorrow, mm -hmm. we should be okay. Uh, yeah, 14 days. Uh, but away. Actually, now it's 17 days. Oh, okay. Uh, so tomorrow is going to be the 17th day. Mm -hmm. After that, we can party, but we will not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so maybe it's one month or something. Then. No, yeah, you got to be at home for a month, even if it's like seventeen. Sorry, uh, like one has to be at home for a month, even if it's like and like if, even if you're no for 17, 17, 17 from the day of testing. Okay, okay, seventeen days from the day of testing, and that is the WHO standard. That is the government standard. So we'll just stick to that. Yeah, hmm. and now you can just walk out and go in the parks. And no, no, no. Over. But see, 
exactly see all the earlier precautions we'll still have to maintain so hmm. mask is still required social hmm. distancing is still required i have my mask here i have my mask all over the place <laughs> if i might just start sneezing you just put the mask <laughs> wash your wash your hands all the time repeatedly sanitize all these are in any case to be done hmm. it is just that we've crossed that one hump which is we've gone through this and in fact my son in law was in hospital fortunately he's also back now this is the one good thing that i like about the this is what has happened has sanitization we were so careless about it before yeah, now everyone is getting yeah. sanitized correct you are absolutely right in fact hopefully it will teach uh, the average indian to become a little more careful about these things you know yeah. i'll give you one chotu example very interesting example mm. japan is considered to be a developed country mm. it's at par with uh, the us germany canada and so on right probably ahead of them in some cases we went there about 4 years back and there was no pandemic there was no flu nothing at that time and we found a lot of the people on the street were actually wearing a mask mm-hmm. yeah and really that is a part of their culture mm. which is one reason why japan was not too badly affected by uh covid, COVID. yeah they did not even put the lockdown yes. ha huh. and and you know it's pa- it's part of their discipline it's a very disciplined race mm. so if we start taking these simple precautions not only covid even from other things we can become far more protected and i think it's a very good thing that well lot of horrible things have happened unfortunately so many deaths so many people you know getting into hospital and so on but the silver lining is this that maybe some habits will change for the better even in the religious institution they have this thing no like when uh, most of people enter the mall they have to do the bazu and even in the gurudwara yeah. they have to do so yeah they have inculcated this uh, this thing yeah. since like centuries they yeah but you know religion. the 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 average average person the common man does not does not follow these you know mm. you go on the street so when i go on the street of course last 15 days i haven't been there mm. but when you go on the street i used to ask people bhai aapka mask kahan hai वो देखो जी जेब में मास्क जेब में क्या करेगा कोविड Yes sir yes for sure you always should my demand <laughs> sure bye 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 take care